0: On Wednesday, hyped up on rumors of Russian connections with the Trump administration, CNN commentator Sally Cohn took to Twitter with her proposed solution to the turmoil shaking Washington, D.C. Here's what it looked like, she wrote. Straightforward from here. One, impeach Trump and Pence. Two, constitutional crisis. Three, call special election. Four, Ryan versus Clinton. Five, President Clinton. (laughs) It's good to dream, Sally. It's good to dream. First off... There's no evidence yet of any high crimes and misdemeanors necessary to begin an impeachment. And then there's also a problem about impeachment because Republicans control both houses of Congress. And then there's something called the line of succession. If Trump and Pence actually were impeached under the Presidential Succession Act of 1947, as prescribed by the U.S. Constitution, Article 2, Section 1, Paul Ryan would then become president. So there's no constitutional crisis, as Cohn sort of suggests. And then how about that special election? Well, I guess you'd need an act of Congress because that's not in the Constitution. Well... Republicans control both houses of Congress. So there's, there's that as well. And then continuing on, Cohn suggests that the race would be Paul Ryan versus Hillary Clinton. Neither side of that equation is actually guaranteed. Finally, Cohn suggests Hillary would undoubtedly win the election, which is kind of silly given she just lost to the most unpopular presidential candidate in modern American history. But it is good to know that Sally Cohn has an active imagination and that she's still dreaming of President Hillary, no doubt alongside President Hillary. <laughs> I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. Everybody's losing their mind. It's, it's wild. So we will have a special surprise in just a moment here on the Ben Shapiro Show uh, for our cultural correspondent uh, or Andrew Clavin's cultural correspondent, Michael Knowles, will be showing up here to annoy us in just a few moments. But first, we have to say thank you to our advertisers over at Helix Sleep. Uh, if you are longing for a good night's sleep, if you have children that wake you up at all hours of the night, for example, not that it applies to you but it applies to me. If you do, then you need a bed from Helix Sleep. You need a mattress from Helix Sleep. They are unbelievably comfortable. The way that it works, you go to helixsleep.com and you fill out one of their surveys that asks kind of, has you like the bed breathable? Do you like it soft? Do you like it kind of firm? And you can have a mattress that has two separate settings for you and your spouse. And then you, uh, and then you, order it. It comes in the mail. You take it out of the box. It inflates right in front of you because it's a foam mattress. And you use it for 100 nights. If you don't like it for 100 nights, then you can you can throw, you can can throw send it back to them for free. Uh, shipping is 100% free, so you can try it. There is no risk whatsoever because if you don't like it, you can always send it back. And I promise you, it's really good. It's really affordable. Uh, really solid mattresses cost thousands of dollars. Helix Sleep is way, way less than that. And you can check it out at their website, helixsleep.com. They run that proprietary algorithm. And uh, it's worked beautifully for us. My wife and I I both really enjoy our Helix Sleep mattress. HelixSleep.com slash Ben. You get 50 bucks off your order when you use the slash Ben. Plus, you're letting them know that we sent you, uh, for which we thank you. So HelixSleep.com slash Ben. That's HelixSleep.com slash Ben. So I have, to do, uh, I have to clean up a little bit of unfinished business, unfortunately. So I, uh, I've paid off a lot of bets over the last election because I was foolish enough to give odds. Never give odds. It's always a mistake. So I gave a bunch of odds and uh, I'd actually forgotten that uh, that I made a bet with Michael Mulls since I apparently decided to lose money to everyone in the office. I've already, I've already given small amounts of money to Jonathan Hay. I've given uh, larger amounts of money to Michael Medved and David Bowes. I gave amounts of money to Jeremy Boring uh, or at least I will, maybe. Um, but Michael, I've been holding out on mainly because it's fun. So I'm actually signing him the check. Come on here, Michael. And congratulations! Uh, here is your check, four hundred dollars for Michael Mills. I gave him four to one odds wow. uh, for hundred dollars, and I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write here in the data line for ignoring data, and then I'm gonna just hand this over. to You will take a picture for the that cameras. Seems really incredible. There we go. Thank you. Absolutely.
1: No, no, no!
0: no. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
1: Well, I guess I uh, won't be having lunch today, but
0: uh, but well, it was nice. It, it, was, was nice. I, it was it was good to see you, Michael. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks. I'm just for at, having me. here's the actual check. Oh, here's the wow, actual great. check, and um,
1: no, wait, no, but I, go go. I, well, uh, just go. Oh,
0: that's good. So good, good to I see you. Good but, to see uh, you, but, Michael. Always uh, yeah. a pleasure. Always, we have to get the F out of here. All right, now in other news. <laughs> Everything continues to be crazy over in Washington, D.C., and it continues to be crazy because everyone has decided to go absolutely insane. Nobody is telling you the truth. Okay, this is the running theme of the show today is that no one is telling you the truth. Everybody tells you half the story, but not the other half of the story. So if you're on the right, then what you're generally hearing today is about intelligence leaks and how terrible they are. And intelligence leaks are bad, right? I mean, and we're, we'll talk about that in just a second. And if you're on the left, all you're hearing about is how Michael Flynn is a secret agent of the Russians from Russia with love, right? That's all you're hearing is that Moscow is now in control of the government, nothing about the leaks. So we're going to talk about all those things because we are not afraid of saying all the true things. So we'll say all the true things on today's show. We begin today with the media losing their gourds. The media have lost their mind. They have no concept of anything remotely approaching the appropriate. They have no concept of anything remotely, remotely approaching the reasonable. And so they've all gone crazy, and they're suggesting that Mike Flynn, the the national security advisor being ousted, is the biggest story in the history of mankind ever since Jesus apparently rose from the dead, or apparently since Moses received the tablets at Sinai, or since the creation of Earth. This is the biggest news that has ever happened, right? depending on your religion. This is the biggest news that has ever happened in the history of man. And so here's a little montage of people from the from the media losing their minds. This is Chuck Todd from NBC News and Thomas Friedman, who has the brain power of a slightly overused hairdryer, and Dan Rather talking about how this Mike Flynn thing is just the it's it's not just big, it's the biggest. It's not just the biggest, it's huge. So here they are.
1: Welcome to MTP Daily and welcome to day one of what is arguably the biggest presidential scandal involving a foreign government since Iran Contra. Take a breath. Hyperbole aside, folks, hunker down because this is a class five political hurricane that's hitting Washington. All this hour, we're going to dive into every angle of this breaking story as the White House scrambles to contain the fallout. Today, White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer told reporters that President Trump knew for weeks that his national security Advisor Michael Flynn, had misled the vice president and apparently White House Chief of Staff Reince Priebus, among other White House officials, about discussions he had with Russia.
0: It's the biggest thing since Iran-Contra. No, no, it's not. It really isn't. There's not, Maybe the evidence eventually will get there, but no, no, it's not. Right now, all we know is that Mike Flynn didn't tell Mike Pence that he had talked to the Russian ambassador about something. That's the whole story. I mean, literally, as far as we know, that is the entire thing. We don't know anything more than that. Those are all the verified facts thus far. And I don't even think that's fireable, as I discussed yesterday. And we'll talk about sort of the theories of why Flynn was even fired, because it seems really questionable to fire him based on sort of all the right wing theories of of what's going on here. So Chuck Todd says the biggest since Iran-Contra, that's sort of ignoring things like Benghazi. It's sort of ignoring things like Barack Obama lying to the American people and Congress and everyone about the Iran deal until it was already done. And Ben Rhodes bragging about it in the press. It's sort of ignoring the weapons of mass destruction debacle under George W. Bush. It's sort of ignoring the Chinagate scandal under President Clinton. There have been a lot of, a lot of real problems in foreign policy for, uh, for a long time. If you just want to restrict it to scandals involving foreign governments, then it seems to me that 2012, Barack Obama saying openly on a hot mic that he wanted flexibility from the Russian government for his re-election campaign, that's just as bad. That's really not good. Okay, so but Chuck Todd's the worst in Suron Contra. Then there's Thomas Friedman of the New York Times who, as I say, has the the stunning brain power of an overused hairdryer. Here is here's Thomas Friedman.
2: It gets, Joe, to two other issues. Uh, The first is we have never taken seriously from the very beginning
1: Russia hacked our election. That was a 9-11 scale event. They attacked the core of our very democracy. That was a Pearl Harbor scale event. Can you
2: imagine if Hillary Clinton, you know, were where Trump was, what what the right would be doing
0: on this issue? Okay, so stop it it there. So Friedman says, can you imagine what the right would be doing if the situation were reversed? Well, can you imagine what the left would be doing if the situation were reversed? They'd be saying Hillary, of course, was going to win anyway because Trump was so unpopular. None of this is a. Bi- They'd be saying exactly the same thing that a lot of people on the right are saying today. Show us the evidence, no smoking gun, etc. But the idea that this is akin to 9/11 is akin to Pearl Harbor. It's an attack on our very institutions of government. <laughs> okay, again, you're gonna have to show me the people who died. Okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna compare something to you know actual physical attacks in which thousands of Americans die, you're gonna have to show me the actual Americans who die as opposed to just saying that leaked documents. Released by WikiLeaks, which is bad, okay? I was against WikiLeaks all the way through the election cycle. Saying that that is equivalent to 9-11 or Pearl Harbor is so over the top, it's insane. And then there's Dan Rather, okay? Dan Rather is the father of fake news. Dan Rather is the guy who went out there with a false document that George W. Bush went AWOL from the military back in the 1970s, and then he was fired for it, and now... I don't know if the media has a death wish, or if they're just suicidal, or what they're sadomasochistic. I don't know what the story here is. The media keep trotting out Dan Rather as though he has something relevant to say on the nature of of truth. And here is Dan Rather talking about. Well, actually, here. So Dan Rather, I guess he, I guess he just said this. So. so Oh, it's a a Facebook quote. So what Dan Rather said on Facebook, he said, Watergate is the biggest political scandal of my lifetime until maybe now. It was the closest we came to a debilitating constitutional crisis until maybe now. The Russia scandal is somewhere around a five or a six on the 10 scale of Armageddon, but it is cascading in intensity seemingly by the hour. And Dan, you're going to have to calm down. You're going to have to calm down. Really, why are the media so hot and bothered? Why are the media so up in arms over this whole thing? Because the media get to celebrate themselves. They get to pleasure themselves on camera. Brian Stelter over at CNN, he says, you know who this is really a big moment for? This isn't a big moment for the American people. It's not really a big moment for, you know, it's a big moment for us. Aren't we grand
3: with Michael Flynn, so, so that's even harder this Clapper. was right in plain sight for a was, while. And, and by the, the DNI way, Clappered a of mine. moment for investigative journalism. Right. Very this very has been moment. a story led by the Washington Post, the New York yes. Times, the huge. CNNs of the world. Uh, if it weren't for journalists digging, digging, digging into this, we wouldn't know about it. So when you hear about anonymous sources, when you hear about leaks from the White right. House or from the government, right. this is is a, and, what, what that's so important
1: for. And we're seeing something else, because this isn't a pat on the back. This is the job. The media is going to do its job. Journalists will always do its job. doesn't matter whether they're liked or not. It's not a popularity contest. But what are we seeing here in real time? Okay, they break the story. Flynn resigns. He says in his letter, basically, I own this. Okay, this yes. wasn't some political trap set by the media.
0: He owned it. Okay, walking brick. Chris Cuomo is the is the person you're hearing at the very end there, that we're always going to do our job. Really? Where were you we for the last eight years? Where were you under Barack Obama? You know, I, I don't remember you trying to force out Lois Lerner in the same way that you tried to force out Mike Flynn. And this brings up a real issue for the country. And here's here's the, the conservative take on, on this whole thing. Okay, This brings up a real issue for the country. But the issue for the country is less about Trump and Russia than it is about the fact that we now have collusion between the intelligence community and the media in order to undercut Trump. And it really is a problem, regardless whether you like Trump or you don't like Trump. It is not a good thing when the intelligence community is acting as a shadow government intervening in elections. You know, James Comey writing letters in the middle of elections. The left hated it. Now you've got the intelligence community leaking off the record like a sieve. I mean, it's not even a leak anymore. It's now a gushing flood of information coming out to the media. And it's all being delightfully overplayed by the media. I'll give you two examples just over the last 12 hours. So on Tuesday night, The New York Times ran with this headline, quote, Trump campaign aides had repeated contacts with Russian intelligence. That's a pretty damning piece, right? I mean, the idea is that they must have colluded with Russian intelligence to affect the election or shape policy. They they, had, they 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 were talking. They were in coordination all the way with Russian intelligence. And this was used as sort of the counter to the fact that Sean Spicer had said that nobody talked with Russia before the election because, again, the Trump administration is not competent at communications. Clip 10, Sean Spicer says that we've never talked with the Russians and here's the New York Times piece saying different.
3: Now, today, can you still say definitively that nobody on the Trump campaign, not even General Flynn, had any contact with the Russians before the election? My understanding is that what General Flynn has now expressed is that during the transition period, well, we were very clear that during the transition period, he did, fe- he did speak with the ambassador. I'm
1: talking about during the
3: campaign. I don't have any, I, there's nothing that would conclude me that anything different has changed with respect to that time period.
0: Okay, so he, there he says that we've had no contact during the campaign. And then the New York Times runs a piece saying there were contacts during the campaign. Looks shady, looks like a cover-up. But... As James Barrett notes over at Daily Wire, by the third paragraph of their 1,300-word article, the Times admits that they said so far they'd seen no evidence of cooperation between the Russians and the Trump campaign. So Spicer isn't telling the truth there, that Trump people weren't talking to the Russians, but there was no evidence of cooperation. And the New York Times acknowledges there's no evidence for any collusion with the Russians regarding the election. And then later in the article, the team of writers acknowledge that the contact that did allegedly take place between Trump's associates and Russian intelligence could have been done unwittingly. So it's possible that Spicer isn't actually lying; he just doesn't know the answer. Meaning, we talk to people who are from Russia. Were they working for the Russian government? I don't know. And then CNN ran a, here's a second story. CNN runs another story today, and their headline is "Trump aides were in constant touch with senior Russian officials during campaign." And so again, idea if you're if you're reading that headline, the impression that you take away is there's coordination, definite coordination. The piece quotes multiple current and former intelligence, law enforcement, and administration officials. So the leaks are plenty. But then CNN reports, quote, officials emphasize that communications between campaign staff and representatives of foreign government are not unusual. So if they're not unusual, what the hell are we talking about here? Right? Presumably what they're really asking Spicer is, were there any covert coordinations? Were there any covert communications between Trump team and Russian team? But CNN can't say there was. And New York Times can't say there was. But the headlines seem to suggest there was. Right? I mean, that's that's media malpractice. Why isn't the headline, no evidence of coordination, Ari Fleischer pointed this out, why is there no headline that says, no evidence of coordination between the Russian government and Trump campaign? And why is the intelligence community leaking all this stuff anonymously? So Trump has been up in arms over this, he's been tweeting incessantly about the intelligence community leaking and saying it's really inappropriate. There is one problem with how Trump is doing this, and that is that Trump is saying these leaks are wildly inappropriate, and then he's also saying fake news. Okay, either the leaks are true or the leaks are false. You can't really say both the leaks are illegal and they're really damaging and they're really terrible and also they're false. If they're false, just say they're false, right? Just say it's a bunch of crap. And people who, and, the, and the media, it, I mean, Trump is familiar with tweeting in all capital letters fake news. But the real story here is not even about the media so much as it is about the intel community. So this is what people have been referring to is the deep state, meaning the bureaucracy that is entrenched in power and isn't moving. Do they have an agenda to stop Donald Trump? If so, why is that agenda present? And we'll talk about that when we continue over at dailywire.com. In order for you to see that, you're going to have to go over to dailywire.com and subscribe. Right now, $8 a month will get you a subscription. You can see the rest of the show live. Tomorrow, we have the mailbag. We will be doing the mailbag live, so you can write your questions in, and we will answer them on air and make your life better in every conceivable way. Because let's face it, you're miserable, but the mailbag will make you happy. So you go to dailywire.com to subscribe right now, $8 a month. Plus, if you subscribe annually, you get a free copy of the Arroyo, great fictional film about everything that's happening down at the southern border. So check it out, dailywire.com, or listen to us later on iTunes or SoundCloud. Make sure you go over to iTunes and give us a review. Uh, We are by far the largest conservative (laughs) podcast uh, in, in the nation. Alrighty, So a lot of people on the right are complaining rightly so about the intelligence community. And even people on the left are basically acknowledging that the intelligence community is going after Trump. So before, you know, several months ago, when Trump was attacking the intelligence community, people were saying this is really dumb. You're going to piss them off and they're going to come after you. And I wrote at the time, that's a pretty dangerous mentality. Can you imagine? Take it out of the, the intel realm. Say that somebody was elected mayor of a city and they said, I have a lot of problems with the police force. And the police force then started leaking every piece of nasty but not criminal information they had about the mayor. Wouldn't that be a police state? Wouldn't that be a state where the police were actually running things? Well, that's sort of what's happening here. And the intel community doesn't deserve, you know, deference when they're leaking information like this. So Trump isn't wrong to be pissed off about the intelligence community. Howard Dean, former DNC chair, he says the intelligence community is pretty clearly going after Trump.
1: I think that when
2: Trump went after the intelligence community, um, they took his. And you're going to see stuff come out again and again and again.
1: Uh, And it's not going to get easier.
0: Okay, so he's acknowledging the intel community is now at war with the administration. The left didn't like it when the intelligence community was apparently at war with Hillary Clinton. They're not going to like it a lot better on the right when the intelligence community is at war with Trump. It is a problem. You cannot have people who have access to private information, non-criminal private information, because nobody's been prosecuted. And they're just releasing it willy-nilly into the media anonymously. That's really dangerous stuff. It's really dangerous stuff. Because what you're really doing is, there's no way to verify it, first of all. We can't even tell if it's true. We're just supposed to take it you know, on the word of the intelligence sources. And they, how about a source with a name? You know, how, about, how about it's verified? Now, again, Trump is not doing himself any favors by coming out and essentially verifying all this stuff by saying, yeah, it's true, but the intelligence leaks have to stop. That's not helpful to his case, but... When the intelligence community can basically sink anybody they want because they have access to all sorts of information, that's a form of blackmail, and it's really dangerous for the republic. Right before his firing, General Flynn basically said this. He told the Daily Caller that leakers are behind all of this. Leakers have to be prosecuted. Okay, that's, that's what Michael Flynn, I guess he said that. Sean Spicer said the same thing, uh, and, uh, and the press secretary said that leaks undermine the national security.
3: Yeah. Sean, the, the president tweeted last, this morning
1: the real story is leaks, illegal leaks. It is
3: leaks. But if you think about this, understand that all of this information was leaked. I mean, I, I got and again, I know we've got this, uh, me lecturing you about what stories should be, but I think that there's a real story here. The idea that not just in this administration, but the Obama administration, going back to the Bush administration in the back, that we have an issue where classified information, of which this would be, is handled in such a way that it is being given out. And I know in some cases, it's, it's a good story, and I understand that, and that's to some degree your responsibility to write that. But I think there's also a story here with the amount of leaks that are coming out of people that are entrusted with national security secrets and classified information are leaking it out. That's a real concern for this president, that when he's talking on the phone with a world leader, that when he's making key decisions that are in the interest of protecting this country, that we have to wonder whether or not people who work for our government, who are entrusted with classified information and decisional-based materials are leaking that information out. That, I do believe, is a big story. And it is a big story. Reported.
0: Spicer Spicer is right here. Uh, that's not Melissa McCarthy, by the way. That actually is Sean Spicer. And he's, he's, he's actually right here. What he's saying is correct. When the intelligence community is leaking information that can't be verified out to the media, and the media are not only trumpeting it, but doubling down on it, what you have is a basic collusion between members of the intel community who are Obama appointees and members of the press to take down members of the Trump administration. No question. Charles Krauthammer says you know, this, uh, he says the same thing. I think everybody on the right is on the same side of this. From Laura Ingram to Charles Krauthammer, it's rare that everybody's on the same side. We're all on the same side here. You can't have intelligence agencies eavesdropping on people and then releasing it in the public.
2: Look, each side always wants to argue, the real story is the misdeeds of the other guy. The fact that there are real big misdeeds in these leaks, but that doesn't exonerate what happened within the Trump administration. There are two stories. One is the, the internal dysfunction in the Trump White House. The fact that Flynn lied internally was untrustworthy. But the other story is the scandal of these leaks. Look, we cannot have the, our intelligence agencies eavesdropping on Americans and releasing it to the press. We have extremely elaborate procedures when we eavesdrop on say ambassadors from other countries, which we do all the time, everyone does, everyone knows it, that when the conversation involves an American, there are extremely strict
0: procedures. Hammer is to- exactly right here. He's exactly right. Now, I will make one comment here, and that is that Andrew Klavan has said on his show before, and not to, to rip on Drew, but Andrew has said on his show before, that whenever the left there's a scandal about content, they immediately go to process. They say, how do we, how do we get that information? And that's their way of misdirecting. And when the the scandal really should be the content, that's the case the left is making today. The case the left is making today is it doesn't matter how we got the information. The question is the underlying information. And we're going to get to that in in just one second. But it is worthwhile noting that the consistent stream of intelligence leaks is really, really bad stuff. Now, on to the second half of the story, and that is the content of the leaks. So the content of the leaks, as I say, there's not a lot there yet. We really don't know what's there yet. And this raises a question. What is there? What is there? OK, so there are five theories basically about why Trump ousted Flynn. So when people – quick note. When people say things like this was an intelligence community political assassination of General Flynn, baloney, baloney. Trump's the one who pulled the trigger, right? I mean no one else could fire him. The intel community couldn't fire Flynn. So it was it – could it be their attempt to get him? Sure. To humiliate him? Sure. But Trump's the guy who has to pull the trigger. And so far, I'm still confused as to why Trump pulled the trigger. So, there are five theories as to why Trump pulled the trigger on Flynn right now. One is the, the Breitbart InfoWars theory that Vice President Pence and White House Chief of Staff saw Flynn as a danger to the administration, and they used this as an opportunity to cap him in the back of the head. And it's not implausible, it's possible. The fact that the administration blames Flynn firing on his supposed lies to Pence lends it credibility. It's possible Pence and Priebus storm into the Oval Office and say to Trump, this guy's got to go. He's put our vice president's credibility on the line and we can't have that. And Trump basically says, OK, and that's the end of it. Right. That's a possibility that is a little bit implausible to me just because Mike Pence is a professional. Right? He's good at this. And the idea that Mike Pence is going to put the entire credibility of the entire administration on the line and blow this up into a major issue As opposed to just have Flynn make a public apology, have Pence say, look, I was told wrong information. Flynn apologized. That's the end of it. Having him fired seems a bit extreme particularly given the fallout that has now ensued. So that's one theory, is that Pence and Priebus ousted Flynn, and now the and now Breitbart and InfoWars are using that as sort of an opportunity to try and oust Pence and Priebus, really more Priebus than Pence. Okay, second theory. The intelligence community sunk Flynn. This was going around yesterday from the Washington Free Beacon. They were saying that the intelligence community was very upset that Mike Flynn was going to reveal all of the contents of the secret deal memos between the Obama administration and the Iranian government. Mm-hmm. Here's my problem with this particular theory. One, Flynn is probably not the only one inside the American government who knows about the secret deals. Obama's the, well, Trump is the president. That means that Trump could get a hold of all that content and just reveal it. Second, if the intel community were just trying to get Flynn over the Iran deal, why wouldn't Trump just tell them to stick it? Why wouldn't he just say that? Why wouldn't he just say, look, the intel community put in place by President Obama is trying to destroy Flynn because Flynn is going to reveal the truth about the Iran deal? Why wouldn't he just, and I'm going to stick by my man. Again, it doesn't answer the question as to why Trump did the firing. Third theory, I think this is Andrew Clavin's theory, that is that Flynn was too much of a headache, he was chaotic, he was weird, everybody sort of knew it, and now with these new questions, Trump just decided to dump him. The only problem with this theory is that Trump decided to appoint him, and all the same questions were being asked about Flynn three, three weeks ago, a month ago. Like, nobody was unaware of this. There were multiple stories about Flynn and his connection to the Russians for months before he was appointed. Fourth theory, Flynn actually did something wrong. This is the theory that is probably the most probable, and that is that Flynn said something he shouldn't have said, Trump found out what it was that he said, and Trump had to fire him, right? And he doesn't mean he committed a crime, but maybe he was susceptible to blackmail by the Russian government. That would explain the firing. It would also mean that there's another shoe that has yet to drop, that there's going to be more information that drops about Flynn and the Russians that is really uncomfortable. And fifth is what the left is, is glomming onto, and that is the possibility that Trump is actually involved, right? That Flynn was told by Trump, go make overtures to the Russians, and then Flynn did it. And the reason that they all did it is because they're both in bed with the Russians, and so, he de- and so he decapitated Flynn, hoping that that would end the scandal that far up the chain before it could be traced all the way back up to him, right? That's what the left is banking on today. That's why the left is over the moon about this whole story. Again, no evidence of that whatsoever. So we'll find out. I think there's more information to drop on this, but we will find out. This is having a pretty significant impact on how the Trump administration operates, however. First, the, 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 there's controversy even within the Trump administration as to, as to how this operates. Roger Stone, who's a confidant of, of President Trump, uh, he says that this is now a fight against Ryan's Priebus. It was, it was Reince Priebus who wanted Flynn ousted.
2: While I respect the president's decision, I really think the chief of staff, Reince Priebus, made this move on General Flynn. Frankly, I don't think this was a firing offense. I think uh, General Flynn could have publicly apologized to the president and this would have been over. But in a way, perhaps this is the Pearl Harbor for real Trump supporters, because I think Mr. Priebus's agenda is clear. First, General Flynn, then Stephen Miller and then Steve Bannon,
0: Um frankly into a fight a crap fight between the Bannon wing of the White House and the Reince wing of the White House unclear whether Reince started the fight or whether Bannon started the fight but bottom line is that there now appears to be some sort of fight happening behind closed doors maybe this doesn't have any impact maybe you can fight it out and slug it out behind closed doors and it has no impact General Mattis Department of Defense Secretary he he said this doesn't have any impact
1: frankly uh, this has no impact obviously I haven't changed what I'm heading there for uh, it doesn't change my message at all, and who's on the president's staff is who I will work with, uh, and so it's uh,
0: you know full speed ahead. Okay, so Mattis is basically saying doesn't matter to me, and probably doesn't matter to Mattis, but it does matter how policy gets done. The next step here is going to be, is there an investigation launched by Congress into the ties between Trump and Russia or ties between Flynn and Russia? There seems to be some controversy over that. Chuck Schumer, of course, is calling for an independent investigation. He says that's highly necessary. Here's the Senate Minority Leader.
2: I hope our Republican colleagues will join us in this call because the crisis here rises above party. Was General Flynn directed or authorized to do what he did? What was the extent of his conversations and contacts with Russia? Who else from the Trump administration, transition, or campaign had contact with the Russians? And why wasn't General Flynn
0: fired? As so, soon as so there's so there's there's Schumer making the case, and then you got Rand Paul saying there's no need to investigate Flynn. You
2: have the Lieutenant General resigning as National Security Advisor last night.
0: You know, I think that might be excessive.
1: I think that uh, looks like the president has handled the situation, and uh, unless there's some kind of other evidence of malfeasance, this sounds like something that was internal White House politics, and looks like the president's handled it. Uh, I agree, personally, and I just
2: think that the Senator McCain, and I can understand he was hit personally by the president, I think, as you were.
1: Uh, I don't think he's over it, do you? I just don't think it's useful to be doing investigation after investigation, particularly of your own party. We'll never even get started with doing the things we need to do, like repealing Obamacare. Okay, so, I, I, okay,
0: so let, me, let me be frank about this. I hate this answer. I hate this answer. I hate it when it's from the left. I hate it when it's from the right. If there's something worth investigating, investigate it. If he's got clean hands, he's got clean hands. If you want to implicate your own party in a cover-up that may or may not even need to exist, then continue to say there should be no investigation into allegations that have been floating around for a while now and that seem to be backed by a certain amount of policy. I mean, it's it's very clear that one thing is true of Donald Trump, and that is he's very close to the Russians. Today, General Mattis announced openly, I mean, this is just bad policy. General Mattis said that NATO allies would have to increase their defense spending by year's end or the U.S. would moderate its commitment to NATO. That's exactly what Vladimir Putin wants to hear. Why couldn't Mattis say that privately to all the NATO countries? Why do you have to do it publicly? It's a signal to Putin that that. Putin can basically do what he wants. Again, all of this is bad stuff. And you're not going to hear the whole truth from either side. From Huffington Post, all you're going to hear about is the terrible, terrible Trump-Russia connection. And from the right, all you're going to hear about is the is the evil, evil leaks. And both things can be true at once. right? The leaks can be terrible, and they need to stop. And at the same time, we need to know why Trump fired Flynn, and we need to know what exactly is going on if anything i mean if you want again if you want trump to succeed he needs to be cleared of suspicion that he is working hand in glove with vladimir putin it's actually important okay if you want trump to be reelected if you want trump to succeed if you want him to have the wherewithal with congress in order to push forward his agenda the cloud of suspicion has to be dissipated and nothing that's happening now is doing any of that okay time for some things i like and then some things that i hate so things i like we're doing children's material this week so um my daughter's favorite film, I, I talked about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory yesterday. Her favorite film, though, is Winnie the Pooh. Uh, this is her new favorite film. She kind of switches every every three or four weeks. Uh, and uh, Winnie the Pooh is fantastic. It's fan- the original Winnie the Pooh from 1977. It's fantastic. The books are phenomenal. If you've never actually read the books, the books are really clever. They're really, uh, there are a lot of kind of in-jokes for adults in the books. They're very literate. They're, they're just wonderful by A.A. A. Milne. Uh, you should actually get the books and read them to your child. That's, that's what I do. I just bought the complete set of all the Winnie the Pooh stories for my, for my baby. And we're going to be sitting there reading that tonight. And she absolutely loves it. The pictures are beautiful. Uh, you know something, actually, this is, this is really cool about Winnie the Pooh's author, A.A. A. Milne. So this is kind of a, a little-known fact. A.A. A. Milne, who wrote Winnie the Pooh, was on a cricket team with J.M. Barrie, who wrote Peter Pan, and Arthur Conan Doyle, who wrote the Sherlock Holmes stories. They were all on the same, t- they were all on the same cricket team which is the most talented authorial cricket team in history. So that's, that's kind of a, a cool little fact. Uh, here's a little bit of the trailer for Winnie the Pooh. is a, a great film. It is also the only there are very few films that actually make me cry at the end of them, and Winnie the Pooh for some reason really gets me. When he has to go to school and leave behind all of the all of these stuffed animals and he's getting older, the passage of time is very sad, especially when you become a parent because like if you've ever seen the film Inside Out, there's a point where there are a bunch of discarded memories. And one of the saddest things as a parent is watching the is watching how it all unfolds and, and knowing that you can't stop time at any given time. Like no matter how good a time you're having with your child, your kid's going to grow up and, and you're both going to forget the memory that you're currently forming. It's really sad and there's a bit of wistfulness to Winnie the Pooh uh, that, is, that is really sad and, and heartbreaking but also wonderful because it reminds you just how special that time is that you're sitting on the couch reading Winnie the Pooh to your three-year-old. Okay, time for some things that I hate. So the media have, again, as I say, they've lost their minds. Stephen Colbert ran a sketch in which he basically called for, almost called for the assassination of Stephen Miller. Now, Stephen Miller is one of Trump's advisors. Uh, he made a bunch of Sunday show appearances that were pretty wild. And so Stephen Colbert did a sketch where he showed Stephen Miller appearing in a bunch of different TV shows. And, uh, and it did not go well for Stephen Miller.
1: People who have no right to vote in this country, Register to vote, cancelling out the franchise of lawful citizens of this country. That's the story we should be talking about, and I'm prepared to go on any show, anywhere, anytime, and repeat it. Don't try luring me in with sexy talk. (laughs) We know for a fact you have massive numbers of non-citizens registered to vote in this country. Nobody disputes that. No, if you
0: want to lure me in with sexy talk, that's how you do it. (laughs) No. Big bang, Theory. And now here he is in uh, The Walking Dead.
1: Maybe. We know for a fact you have massive numbers of non citizens registered to vote in this country. Nobody disputes that. Hell, you're all gonna be doing that. We know for a fact you have massive numbers of non citizens registered to vote in this country. Nobody disputes that. No, please, no! Look at him!
0: We know for a fact that massive is a numbers a of non citizens so registered to vote in this so country. Number one. Nobody disputes that. And, and everybody's cheering. Yay! Isn't it funny that Stephen Miller's head is on? No, it's actually not funny. It's a terrible skit. And not only that, didn't they learn anything? I mean, HBO put George W. Bush's head on a spike in that very scene from Game of Thrones. That exact scene from Game of Thrones. They used a George W. Bush head on the end of a pike. Right? And the, And so the idea that this is somehow okay because it's directed at a right winger, imagine if they had done that with Valerie Jarrett. Imagine how the hubbub would be from the left, and you can imagine what it should be from the left when they do things like this. It's really, really stupid. Okay, other things that I hate. Donald Trump is apparently going to move forward with this autism panel. Robert Kennedy Jr. has said that now he wants to be on this autism panel about vaccinations and autism, which is just asinine. Again, the idea that there is a link between vaccinations and the rise in autism is entirely specious. There's no scientific evidence that suggests this link. Um, But here is Trump talking autism uh, yesterday at the White House.
2: Have you seen a big increase in the autism with the children? Yes.
3: Yes, in fact, our school has shifted its population, so more children with autism, definitely.
2: So what's going on with autism? When you look at the tremendous increase, it's really such an incredible, it's really a horrible thing to watch, the the tremendous amount of increase. Do you have any idea? And you're seeing it in the school.
3: Yes, I think, I mean, I think the statistics, I believe, are one in 66, one in 68 children um, are diagnosed with autism. Now it's
2: coming even lower than the whole
0: So so Trump is talking about this supposed explosion in autism. I just want to note here that what has happened here is not necessarily an explosion in autism actually happening. It's not like people are getting more autistic over time. What's actually happening here is an increase in diagnosis. And there have been full scientific studies that demonstrate that as you've changed the standard of, of screening for autism, as you've included things like Asperger's syndrome in the autism spectrum, you end up diagnosing more people. What's more troubling is Donald Trump linking autism with vaccinations. We'll see if he continues to do that. We can certainly hope not. Okay, uh, time for a little bit. Uh, you know what? Should we do this Hannity thing? Hmm, maybe. Okay, so Sean Hannity, the final thing I hate. Sean Hannity has on Kellyanne Conway. I don't like kiss-ass questions. They annoy me. So Sean Hannity has on Kellyanne Conway, who has not been a very good spokesperson for the White House in the last couple of weeks. And here was his first question to her. Um, I've seen you on media appearances, and just my own thoughts that if somebody was a liberal and a woman
2: and were treated in certain circumstances the way you've been treated— I think it would be news. Do you feel in any way the media has been extremely hostile to you? You can stop like it right now. I don't that that care that about your answer.
0: What kind of question is that? I mean, I like Sean. I think that Sean is a really genuine guy. Uh, I like him personally a lot. But what kind of question is that? Do you feel the media has been mean to you? There's like the there's like the dolt in the in the locker room after a pitcher gives up a, a game winning home run and you say, "How did it feel to do that?" What do you think he's going to say? It felt great. Like, of course. Well, it felt like crap. Yeah, I gave up a game winning home run, but. Again, if this is the way that we're going to play politics now where the media don't even ask questions of people, then, then I guess we're going to get what we're going to get. Okay, time for a little bit of Bible talk. So this week in, in Jewish circles, we read the Parsha, the, the portion of the Torah. Uh, that is, the, in which God gives the Ten Commandments. Uh, and, uh, and so we're going to go through those really quickly and talk about their modern-day applications. So this is from Exodus chapter 20, and we will run through this pretty quickly. So God spoke all these words to respond. I am the Lord your God who took you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall not have the gods of others in my presence. You shall not make for yourself of a graven image or any likeness which is in the heavens above, which is on the earth below, or which is in the water beneath the earth. So the idea is that you're not supposed to engage in idolatry. There's actually a debate between Christians and Jews about which one of these constitutes the first commandment. So Jews actually think that the first commandment includes, I am the Lord, your God, and it ends at, at out of the house of bondage. So there's a requirement to believe in God. Other uh, Christians, I think, typically believe that the first commandment is that you can't be idolatrous. No idolatry is the first commandment. And and the second commandment is no graven images. You shall neither prostrate yourself before them nor worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a zealous God who visits the iniquity of the fathers upon the sons, upon the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. And I perform loving kindness to thousands of generations, to those who love me and those who keep my commandments. People tend to take this one out of context and and suggest that this is God revenging himself upon children and grandchildren. My read on this is, is different. It is that In the universe, there are natural consequences to your behavior, and those natural consequences fall to further generations. Just think of how your grandparents affected your parents and how your parents affected you, and you can see that. You can see how things your grandparents did affected you, how things you will do will affect your grandchildren. By the fourth generation, it's pretty much died out. People, you know, the effects have have sort of been watered down. But the real kindness of God is that the good that you do lives on after you. Not, as, not as, as the suggestion goes, that the evil that you do lives on after you, but the good fades away. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold blameless anyone who takes his name in vain. I like Dennis Prager's take on that particular commandment. He says, does God really care about you saying GD something? Does he really care about you cursing? Does he really care about you saying, God bless America, right? Yeah, probably not. What God actually cares about is you attributing to God views that are actually your own. That is a violation of God's word. You're supposed to take God at his own word. You're not supposed to read your own preferences and policy preferences into what God thinks. Remember the Sabbath day to sanctify it. Six days you may you work and perform all your labor, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord. This reminds you that your labor doesn't belong to other people, but it also doesn't belong to you. You were put on this war- earth to work, and that means that when God orders you not to work, his rule is, is the final word there. Honor your father and your mother in order that your days be lengthened on the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Again, the idea here is, why would you have to be ordered to honor your father and mother? Well, I think that we can see pretty clearly that in today's modern society, people don't honor their father and mother. They think that the burden is on mom and dad to prove why they're right, as opposed to, as opposed to you proving to mom and dad why you're right, right, why your parents are wrong. The onus is not on your parents to demonstrate that tradition is correct. The onus is on you to demonstrate why tradition is wrong. And if you shift the onus, you end up destroying the entire system upon which civilization is based. You shall not murder. Okay, Everybody gets this one wrong. It's not you shall not kill. That's a different word in Hebrew. When it says, lo tirtzach, that means you shall not murder. Not the same things you shall not kill, which is why the death penalty is okay and is copiously talked about in the Bible. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet your neighbor's house. Covet his wife, his manservant, his maidservant, his ox, his donkey. That last commandment is such a fascinating commandment because it's the only one that really has to do with emotions. Everything else has to do with behavior. God doesn't really care about emotions from the Jewish point of view. He cares a lot more about behavior. There, There is the, you know, odd commandment where it talks about you're commanded to rejoice, but even that is really about participating in the behaviors of rejoicing and that eventually creating a feeling within you. Actually, a lot of Judaism is based on the idea that practice leads to good emotional response, not the other way around. You shouldn't act because you feel a certain way. You should feel a certain way because you participate in actions. When it comes to covetousness, though, this is an obvious commandment not to covet. And what that means is not... And people say, well, how can you tell somebody how to feel? You are not... There is a way to do this, okay? You are not allowed in Jewish law to covet your neighbor's car. You're not allowed to say, I wish that my neighbor would die and I could take his car. What you are allowed to say is, I wish I had a car like that. That's not coveting your neighbor's property. That's saying that I wish that I had that sort of success. And that goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. The problem with Cain and Abel is that God says he he takes Abel's sacrifice. He doesn't take Cain's sacrifice. And he he says to Cain, you can overcome the problems. right? You can imitate Abel. You can do better. And then I'll accept your sacrifice. Instead, Cain kills Abel. That's covetousness. Covetousness is the idea that other people's stuff belongs to you, not that you want to have the same opportunity at success as your neighbor. Unfortunately, socialism and leftism is based on covetousness. It's also based on idolatry. Uh, and and so, you know, that it is, it is socialism, in my opinion, is, is a direct opposition to at least three of the Ten Commandments. It says that you shall have no other gods before God. It says that you shall not steal. And stealing is still stealing if you vote to steal. And it says that you shall not covet your neighbor's house uh, or any of his property. And so... You know, pretty clearly demonstrates the Ten Commandments that God is in favor of private property, that the relationship between you and God is a different relationship between the the relationship between you and man, and that in the end. It is your responsibility to uphold God's Word, not God's responsibility to meet your expectations of what you want God to do. Okay, so that brings us to the end of today's show. Tomorrow is the mailbag. So if you're not a subscriber, you need to go over to dailywire.com right now and subscribe, become part of the mailbag. That's the way that you get my answers to you on air. And you can participate in the live mailbag tomorrow at dailywire.com. Plus, we'll see if there's more information. Uh, final, final note, final note before we leave. I, I would be remiss if I did not mention this. Donald Trump did something good today. He said, that he, he said that the Trump administration will not push the two-state solution on Israel and the Palestinians. That is a very good thing. I want to discuss that more at length tomorrow and talk about that because Trump is right now, as we speak, doing a press conference with, with Benjamin Netanyahu. And we'll talk about that more tomorrow, but we'll get there. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show.